prosecution outlined how accounting practices what fuck? What? did not What kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'd be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now. this airs right yeah shit happy yeah. halloween yeah. uh usually we're way yeah. more spooky i feel like this has been the least festive year for us but yeah uh, yeah you know i yeah a- i'm a, I'm, well, I'm a little on a crunch for editing so i'm not going to be able to add a bunch of spooky stuff into this episode unfortunately uh but mm-hmm. you know if you're feeling nostalgic you can go back a year and uh check out all of our episodes from uh this time last year in 2021 i think we got a lot of uh crypt keeper jokes in there uh some some cool yeah. uh spooky haunted house music uh you know mm-hmm. just shows you what we're capable of when we try exactly yes yes uh speaking of which you're listening to gutter boys gutter boys is a small press comics podcast about the ins the outs the highs and the bottomless lows of making comics true i'm uh, your host jb with my co-host cam on this week's episode we're joined with chicago-based comic artist illustrator cartoonist nick pyle uh, to talk about his new book fend and uh, along with the multiple projects he seems to be juggling constantly heavy metal all that shit yeah yeah he's a busy guy he's a busy guy yeah uh, and we we love to see it we, lo- we love to see a bald king winning we uh just to let you know there is a uh limited amount of uh, copies of Fen left over at Death Wish. So if you want a copy, grab it, because uh, I think there was less than 70 when oh, I last talked shit. to Nick the other day. So okay, yeah, All if you right. want a copy, uh, listen for the link in this episode and definitely go get that. All right. Uh, so let's start with shout outs. We got a few here to plug. First one is from friend of the show and listener from day one, I think, Mark Martinez, who sent over his uh, kaiju june zine called kaijun funny enough yeah uh this is an illustration zine full of all of uh, his uh all of his favorite kaiju related drawings yeah uh so that's everything from king kong to godzilla to mecha godzilla etc so forth very sick stuff as always we're gonna get mark on the show hopefully sooner than later uh just to chop it up uh he did do the cool yeah. godzilla variant uh, not too long ago as well yeah, I think that's why this came out. I think there was yeah. a timing with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can find Mark Martinez on Instagram at Mark L. Dude. That's M-A-R-K-E-L-D-U-D-E. Hell yeah. All right. Next uh, shout out is a uh, previous guest of the show and friend of the pod, C.M. Campbell. Uh, sent over the new issue of Children and Heath. Make sure to definitely pick this one up, people. Uh, if you want to hear Craig talk about this book a little bit in its uh, developmental days, definitely scroll back on our feed and check out the episode with Craig. It's a good one. You can find him on Instagram at mrcpl 
Craig. All right, uh, next shout-out is for, you guessed it, the next thrilling issue of the much-beloved series Santo Sisters, with issue two uh, out now. Yeah, via Floating World, which, by the way, boys, sorry to just air your laundry out here, but uh, issue three has been solicited, which is great, so definitely pre-order it at your shop, but uh, I didn't see Floating World's name on there, so... Wonder if they're going solo on issue three, but it's uh, another great issue. It's even funnier than the first. Uh, I love that the Santos sisters are like available in every comic shop in theory, you know, so if you definitely have a uh, traditional comic shop near you, go get a copy of Santos sisters one and two. It's an incredible comic. Great cover price on issue two of four dollars and 20 cents as well. Yeah, you can't beat that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we're always singing praises about Santa Sisters. Uh, you know, the whole team involved—they're they're doing top-notch work. It is one of the, if not the, best comic going right now, in my opinion. Fucking top, mate. All right, next on our shout-out list is friend of the show, past guest Alex Nall. You notice every Ta- single person on the list was friend yeah. of the show. Yeah, uh, all of these are guest. friends of the show yeah. and past guests, it's, yeah. except for uh, Mark. We'll yeah. we'll get that. Mark fixed. was on the Patreon yeah. feed once when you were gone. But, oh, that's right. So that's technically, right. past guests. All right. So yeah, these are all past guests. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Alex Null sent over Town and County. Uh, you might have heard of it. Yeah, issue uh, number since, two. Uh, since so. it's been running ads here on Gutter Boys, but uh, this is issue two of Town and County. Uh, if you want to get into some small town hijinks, this is it. Yeah. Alex sent over some coasters with them as well, and that was so sick because uh, I like little like ephemera tied into books yeah. and stuff like this doesn't even mention his fucking book on it it just has like the location of a spot in it a bar mm-hmm. so yeah. like a lot of the times you'll get stuff like that like a coaster at comic-con but it'll be like premiering on sci-fi on november <laughs> right, yeah. 20. like this is just some like deep head shit so i like shit like that really cool stuff yeah this is viral marketing alex yeah uh-huh <laughs> this is like the the aqua teen hunger force light that they taped to a bridge back in the day oh yeah yeah you remember they did that shit with uh dark knight when that movie was what coming did they out? do i do remember some kind of viral campaign but i forget exactly what it was yeah they ran like multiple cities and had like uh oh theater know, shootings like, right no, yeah yeah exactly no uh they had like <laughs> volunteers or people hired to go out there and pretend like they are campaigning for harvey dent Oh, okay, and cool. so they were handing out like i believe in harvey dent pins and shirts and shit like that Bet you those uh, are worth did. some coin now. I have no idea. I still have a bunch of that shit from when they did it. So Hell maybe yeah. they did. Uh, along with that, they also did a bunch of uh, like mail-in stuff, stuff you could sign up for online. And then they would mail you like a ballot card for Gotham City. They also mailed you, I think, like um, newspapers, like full-on newspapers oh. from Gotham City with a bunch of articles about, you know, Harvey Dent and Joker and all that shit. And then at some point they did a big treasure hunt, basically. Right. People had to come together and solve these puzzles on these websites. And then they would have to decode certain things that were written in the code of the website. Yeah. Yeah. It was this whole involved thing. And I think going to the physical locations, which were kind of scattered all across the country, uh, I think one team found, uh, what was it? It was like a bowling ball or something. So it's like some geocache shit. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was filled with shit like Joker cards and stuff like that. And I forget what the big prize was. Somebody got something pretty big. I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, scars. maybe that shit goes for a lot of money. Got, I don't know. They got some yeah, they scars. Got scars. Yeah. yeah, they got Jokerfied. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, uh, what do we got to talk about? We got some news, right? We got... Well, uh, we just have somebody to dunk on. This guy blocked us so we can... 
we could definitely air his dirty laundry on the show. <laughs> yeah. So uh, breaking news, local con artist tries to pull one on the comics community. Yeah. Uh, Mr. One, Mr. Assman. Mr. Assman. <laughs> yes. Brent, Brent Assman uh, ran a campaign, real. Kickstarter campaign for, uh, you guessed it, another anthology. Uh, this one called, what was it, uh, Over the Sunset or no, something? No, no. Uh, off into the Sunset. Off into the Sunset. Because this what is going to be... With your money. Yes, this yes. is going to come full circle with the title, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Spoiler alert. So, yeah, we... Uh, I, I crossed paths... Well, no, we crossed paths with this guy because we're both blocked. I think it was just over some just trivial bullshit and... We were just calling him an idiot or something. Like, I don't think it was anything crazy. I think he just happened to catch some strays and he couldn't handle them. But that said, he did this campaign for this uh, anthology called Off Into the Sunset. And it was a Western anthology. And uh, his name is Brent Harshman. Uh, Brent Assman, though, is what we call him. Brent with two T's if you want to look this guy up. But uh, he was asking for $20,000, but he was overfunded. At $22,085. So, one, $20,000 is a lot of fucking money. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure that he was paying these artists. Well, this kind of comes into this. He did. Okay. So, everything that we're about. <laughs> You're kind of burying the lead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, where should we? So, he ran a campaign. It got overfunded. And now, people are not getting their books. Yeah. It's a year later, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this campaign ended last year. But here's the thing. Assman has been posting on Twitter, and everything we're saying is alleged, 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 but we have sources. Via Twitter, via Twitter, scoops, yes. Yeah, via Twitter and timeline evidence here, okay? So if you go to Mr. Assman's uh, Twitter timeline, he's been posting like fancy cocktails and extravagant meals and all this stuff that he buys. All of a sudden, after ghosting everybody for a year, he decides to just drop this statement about the anthology where he says that he financially hasn't recovered enough to publish the anthology and he owes $4,500 in taxes, which seems like, you know, the math doesn't add up there on a $23,000 Kickstarter, but hey, maybe it, I don't know. No, I think that's just a freelance person who does not know how to do their taxes, right? Yes. <laughs> and uh, now the IRS is knocking on his door after the fact. Yes. But so all this said, he puts out this Twitter thread explaining what's happened here. Yeah. So he has a pinned tweet where he says, I sincerely apologize to all contributors and all backers of Off Into the Sunset. There is no beating around the bush. I fucked up big time. I'm still going to print and ship the book. I am also giving refunds to any and all who want them. I have no excuses. I'm sorry. The biggest thing is that the contributors aren't to blame and don't send any grief their way. This is on me. I want to make this right. Just to be clear, no one's given any grief to the contributors. Yeah, no one. <laughs> no one has blamed the contributors at all about this because he's the one running the campaign. So that's bizarre, but okay. He also says, as I said, the book will still be printed and shipped. Refunds are available if you need anything. My, uh, my email address is yada, yada, yada at gmail.com. Yes. So, All right, so people have gotten the, mad. <laughs> yeah. So as a result of this, instead of like, I think in his mind, he thought this was going to clear his name. Well, but let's, let's stop for just a second. He's so $23,000 has vanished is what's yeah, happened. Right. Here. That's gone. That's, that's all no the money raised. It's just gone. Mm -hmm. So, given, you know, some of the 
info I was given on this guy earlier, I think our listeners are smart enough to do the math. Uh, this guy spent the money, allegedly. There was He tweeted something that he deleted, too, about a bunch of loans that he took out. Oh, because, okay. So, gutter yeah, boy yeah. scoop, okay? Allegedly. So uh, Yeah, I mean, the thing is, a lot of people are calling him out yeah. on that, like, okay, if you are claiming that you're going to refund people, then... Why haven't you paid the contributors? Why haven't you shipped out or printed and shipped out the books yet? Yes. I mean, there's literally... There's too many holes going on here in this guy's, uh, you know, his statements. Yeah. Uh, One user stated, hey, dude, I hope the creators that were advertised for the book but were left out of the digital copy are also getting paid for their work. He actually responded to that. Well, he responded, they will, which means he hasn't yet. And so somebody replied, then pay them. It's been over a year and you've already been sitting on this money forever. It would be reasonable if you'd run out of money for shipping, but you haven't paid all the creators you commissioned and you haven't printed the book. What is the status of the money? And he didn't answer that question. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, One, Tony Gregori, a friend of the show, was like, "Uh, shit like this makes it harder for the rest of us to make our books. You should be ashamed of yourself. He replied, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Dude bit the knee Uh, to Tony. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Tony Tony replied, looking at your TL, it doesn't seem that way. You're going off about all kinds of bullshit until someone called you out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Going back to, you know, what I said about this guy just posting like that he's just living large. Uh, it's not a good look. And I did hear that, and this is all, you know, alleged information. Some of the contributors were paid. Um, I'm guessing some of the higher profile contributors were paid. And I say right, higher right, profile, right. that's relative. Big air quotes. Right? Yeah, but... But people who would give him more grief. Yes. So some of the people were paid. Now, I have heard also that he has literally cut contributors out of the book. Right. Because he does not want to pay them now, but they Mm -hmm. did the work already. So it's like, dude, you need to pay them too. So it's just a whole shit show. I honestly don't think the book's ever going to come out. And Kickstarter does not guarantee uh, the backers any kind of product. They're like, it's completely on the fucking. So unless they do like a class action lawsuit, this book's never going to come out. Right, right. And we've seen this happen in the past multiple times. People will. Right, yeah. People will present a project. It gets funded, sometimes overfunded. And then years go by, nothing. It works to their benefit to remain silent about it because they aren't really accountable. I mean, they are, but legally, they don't own shit. They don't owe anyone anything, which is crazy. Like, Kickstarter's entire business platform is based on this idea of, dude, trust me, bro. (laughs) Yeah. It's very NFT crypto. And granted, the majority of these campaigns that do get funded, they're they're usually fulfilled. Yes, right? exactly. Otherwise, Kickstarter would not be a, a platform. Right, right, right. So it, it's it's something that happens, but not as often as one would probably assume. But uh, when it does happen, it is like very clearly a scam. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are clearly running what is basically a Ponzi scheme, just trying to get you to pay into something that doesn't exist and will never exist. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, you know, Brent Assman, uh, he made his bed. He's going to lay in it. I think he's going to disappear. Oh, 100%. This is I like, think he already deleted his account once, right? Yeah, he did. And he came back because people were dragging him. So I guess he wanted an official yeah. statement on the matter. Yeah, he'll give he'll give his statement and then watch. His ass is going to disappear again. Ramon, uh, enemy of the show, donated like the minimum to the Kickstarter. And I've been trying to convince him to ask for the refund to see what happens for his $1 pledge <laughs> he actually gave him one dollar <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> damn 
<laughs> That's so petty. <laughs> so I was like, dude, you gotta fucking get the refund, man. See what happens. Oh, fuck. See what happens. Because <laughs> you know yeah, Ramon so, didn't uh, give a fuck. He was just like, no, you need this no. more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, rest in piss, Mr. Ass Man. Uh, hopefully you didn't piss off anybody that has a, a, a very good attorney. Yeah. <laughs> so, and everything we said was alleged again, alleged, alleged, <laughs> alleged, alleged, according to Mr. Assman himself too. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So before we get out of here, as always, if you want to support us on Kickstarter on Kickstarter, hang on, sorry. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so before we get out of here, we got some plugs today, and uh, if you do want to support us on Patreon, gutterboys.top or patreon.com forward slash gutterboys. Had a really funny episode with both Brian Baines from Bubbles and Brian Blomerth. Tons of uh, content on there, two years of episodes, so if you're a binge listener or you're working on a project and you need some stuff to listen to in the background, uh, hit us up on Patreon, throw us some money, try it out, tell a friend. Uh, but yeah, personally, I will not be at Short Run, JB will be. Uh, what table and shit are you going to be at, dude? Do you know this info yet? I have no fucking clue, man. I know I you're probably... going to be near Eric from Really Easy and Ye One. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. I'm going to look this up live. All right. Well, while JB's looking that up, uh, <laughs> speaking of Eric at Really Easy, uh, I was holding up the issue two of 666. That was totally my fault that it came out so late. That said, uh, the story's done. It has been printed. I think it's making its debut at Short Run. It's a nice uh, reso-printed anthology. I know Caroline Cash is in there. The concept of 666 is really sick. It's uh, six cartoonists, six panels per page, and six pages per strip. Uh, There's a one-word theme. The theme for this issue was blood, and uh, you can definitely get a copy, I think, after Short Run from Really Easy for sure. I think I'll have a couple if you want to DM me, but uh, definitely support Really Easy at really.easy.press and uh, make sure to grab a copy from them. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I paid them and they never sent me my table info. Uh, I know that, I only know because Eric asked me if I was going to be there and he told me that it's like him, Yewan, Ben, and then you. So if you find Really Easy Press and you find Yewan and Ben, JB will be close by. Oh, there, there is a map. Okay. Oh, there so is? I guess I... Yeah. But you'll be there, yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, I'll be there. I kind of don't want to go now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to be honest. Yeah, then don't go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, guys. I'm not going to be there anymore. All right. So. But go get 666 issue two from Really Easy Press. And JB, I guess we'll be on the Patreon episode now since he's staying <laughs> home. So uh, catch us next Monday on the Patreon feed. <laughs> No, I'm still going to go. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm really, the the whole trip was an excuse to go to Seattle, right? Yeah. I just wanted to see some people, you know, see Eric, see Yewan, uh, see some other friends that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, and I like Seattle. Yeah. I don't know. I really, really like it there. It's a little, it's a little more, uh, it's a little too expensive for me to ever live there, but it's nice to visit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll have, uh, what will I have? I'm not going to have anything brand spanking new. Mostly just going to be stuff that was intended to be tabled at uh, all the shows that got canceled in 2020. So I'll have a couple of drawing zines, some Rizzo drawing zines. All of this stuff is pretty much easy press, really easy press stuff. 
So you're going to be uh, right so next to the table in competition. Yeah, I'm going to be competing with Eric directly, <laughs> selling the exact same products. <laughs> I'm going to be selling the first issue of 666. You might have to uh, stay awake to get some sales. Nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also have that Buffy fanzine. Yeah, um, yeah. Hellmouth, that's what it's called. Uh-huh. There's another zine. I can't remember what the fuck it is. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Whatever. just stop by the table and fuck around and just find out. Yeah, yeah. Come by, chat me up, I guess, because I'm, I'm I have no intention of making money at the show. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> uh, I might have shirts. I don't know. It really depends on if I can pack shirts because that shit takes up space. Yeah, it's all a mystery, baby. Find out on November fifth at <laughs> <Yeah>. Short Run. <laughs> I like to keep things super professional, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> and I also want to keep my fans on their toes. Mm -hmm. You know, you might even have a one-off. Who knows? He might get a wild hair up his ass and finish a new zine. You never know. That's true. You never, you never know. know. That's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you never know. That, should, yeah. that is not happening. <laughs> uh, for people that have been wondering what I'm working on, since it's clearly not comics. <laughs> you, can, you can talk about that? Uh, I can I can talk about it vaguely. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So I've been doing uh, some freelance work. Couple of little projects for friends here and there, some people that I know, people that I've met from doing this shit. And uh, one project in particular that took up a lot of my time was for a uh, suggested movie pitch. I can't say what studio, I can't say the name of the movie. But it's a big but... dick motherfucking movie, dude. Yes, it's a big studio, it's a big movie, and so that took up a lot of time doing all the concept art for that. Yeah. Uh, if it gets greenlit, which uh, I don't know, uh, it's <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like this movie pitch, quote unquote, that we came in with was uh, strictly because uh, the guy I'm working with, a good, good friend of mine, close friend of mine that I've known for fuck, uh, just shy of two decades. And uh, he, you know, has a movie. It's been greenlit by a pretty well-known studio. All the other studios caught wind of it, obviously. Now they're just bringing him in as a formality because he's kind of being talked about. So this is pretty standard in like movie biz bullshit. They do this all the time. So I'm not expecting really anything out of it. It was a fun project to work on. Uh, I like working with my friend. So there's that. If it leads to anything beyond that, hey, great. And if not, whatever, it's fine. Because uh, I'm probably going to be working on his other thing once, once uh, we get into pre-production here. But yeah. Uh, other than that, obviously, still doing the merch shit. I'm probably going to take a break from that after the end of this year. Okay. Uh, also, probably going to need a month just to do my taxes, because that shit's going to be a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. And uh, yeah, who, who knows? Still waiting to hear back about two comic projects. One allegedly is greenlit. The other is, uh, you know, kind of a old school handshake deal. So... It it might be on. I don't know. Nothing's been signed yet. So a lot of things are up in the air, but I'm just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And I guess uh, I have a whole zine done. I have this thing with jazz that I need to finish. And uh, I've actually been working on shit, but I think it's too late in the year to put anything out. Just a heads up to our patrons. I probably am going to do a small print run of the uh, jazz zine for you all and send that to you all as part of the physical rewards. but. Anything as far as a wide release isn't going to happen until the spring or, you know, there you February. Go. So, so first dibs. Yeah. And uh, you, yeah, nobody don't sign up 
thinking you can get it. This is everybody that's already been there. (laughs) So do not sign up thinking you can get that. Anybody that's already been there, it's locked in. That's what you're going to get. And uh, we should still be doing an end-of-year zine. Um, It might be more text than comics, to be completely honest, like some year-end stuff, reviews and so forth. But you will be getting uh, the Jazz Split comic and uh, something from us by the end of the year. Uh, Some kind of zine. So, yeah. Thank you for hanging with us. It hasn't been as regular as it was during the peak of the pandemic. Uh, We've been a little busy, but we definitely appreciate your patronage. All right. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll be joined with our guest, Nick Pyle. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Meow. Meow. Sid the Cat magazine is out now. If you've ever been to an amazing rock and roll show and thought, I wish I could experience this moment again, but in comic form, then Sid the Cat magazine is for you. Fiercely independent show promoter Sid the Cat have joined forces with comics journalist Andrew Greenstone to bring you an ongoing publication that documents the SoCal indie rock scene. This stunning 52-page full-color magazine features comics, articles, photos, and illustrations from a rotating cast of local illustrators and writers. It's a celebration of Sid's artists and venues and supports those keeping the bleeding edge of the indie music scene alive. Our first issue covers musical artists Big Thief, Illuminati Hotties, Mike Kroll, Fucked Up, Finn Lilly, Katie Kirby, Kate LeBon, Cursive, Christian Lee Hudson, No Win, and so many more. If you are a fan of comics, indie music, zines, rock reports, or community by the way of culture, order a copy now at SidTheCat.com forward slash Sid dash zine. Again, that's SidTheCat.com forward slash Sid dash zine. What do a pair of deadly assassins, a beefy pile of roided-up high school football players, a zombie outbreak, huge dragons, and a himbo barbarian have in common? You can find them all in the upcoming pages of the Santos Sisters. That's right. Ambar and Alana are back for more gripping adventures. Once again, Offset Press printed in full color on your favorite decadent newsprint. Prestigious publication. The Comics Journal love the first issue, calling it a highly entertaining comic. And Katie and Sally from the Thick Lines podcast called it a masterpiece and more than they deserve. And who are we to disagree? The Santos Sisters is available now. Don't miss out. Ask your favorite comic book retailer to add it to your pull list today or find it online at santosisters.com. Rust Belt Review is a quarterly comics lit magazine featuring serialized and short form comics from some of the most exciting cartoonists in the small press scene today. Volume 1 features work from Gutter alums M.S. Harkness, Audra Stang, and Caleb Arecchio, along with work by Andrew Greenstone, Sean Knickerbocker, and Juan Jose Fernandez. You can order your copy of Rust Belt Review today by going to rustbeltreview.org. Enter in promo code GUTTER to receive two bucks off your order. Again, that website is rustbeltreview.org. Promo code GUTTER. Athenium Comic Art is an original art website for some of the best cartoonists in the business. They currently represent Remy Boydell, Marie Capel France, Nicole Gu, Jonathan Hill, Emma Hunsinger, Casey Nowak, Micah Song, and Tilly Walden. 
Athenium Comic Art gives fans the opportunity to own original piece of art from their favorite comics and support the artists that they love. In their short time in business, they've already shipped many iconic pages out to hardcore fans across the globe. Don't miss out on your chance to own a one-of-a-kind piece of history. Check out their website, AtheniumComicArt.com, and type in Gutter Gang at checkout to receive free shipping on your first order. Again, the website is AtheniumComicArt.com, and the code is GutterGang. loves underground comics everybody loves underground comics and if you know people who don't love underground comics and only read the mainstream comics immediately report them to your local comic book store and find them with copies of Clusterfox comics Clusterfox comics is a black and white underground anthology comic scene featuring some of the best underground comics creators today creators like cameron zavala eric jasek brian judge miguel aguilar adam yeter jason cavelli umberto tonella anna peterson tony de pasquale Drewby Hall, and so many more. Issues one through four are available now, with the fifth issue debuting in early 2023. Purchase your copies today at clusterfuckscomics.bigcartel.com. And that's comics with an X. Clusterfucks Comics. Comics you can clusterfucks with. Morning, Gary. Morning, Marianne. Need a menu? Nah, I'll just have the usual. You sure do love your eggs and coffee, Gary. Best way to start your morning, Marianne. Well, that and an issue of Town and County. What's that? Town and County is a new comic series written and drawn by cartoonist Alex Nall. He's that guy that wrote them books about teaching and that Mr. Rogers feller. Oh, he was such a nice man. The first issue is 36 pages of black and white comic stories with beautiful color covers and features six stories about folks in our little township here in Illinois, like Susie Barber, the house cleaner that uncovers her client's dirty laundry, if you know what I mean, and Stanley Pepper, that big feller that just lost his job and took to drinking every night at Bugs's Tavern. Well, ain't that something? Town & County is published by Ivy Terrace Press, headquartered in Chicago. Chicago? Who would want to live there? So dirty. Each issue comes with a copy of The Hometown Hero, our little town's newsletter, and it's only $8. $8? Where can I get it, Gary? You can order a copy of Town & County on the internet at storeenvy slash Comics. Oh, there's your breakfast, Gary. Thanks, Mary Ann. Ah, nothing like a cup of coffee and a good comic book. The Last Aviatrix is a post-nuclear adventure comic by independent Los Angeles-based cartoonist Buster Cagle. The story follows Summer, our last aviatrix, who pilots the sole surviving airplane, a nuclear-powered B-29, as she travels the ruined world finding ways to survive and help humanity while dealing with the eminent threat of the Atomborn, a rare breed of atomic wizards that want to see her out of the sky. Her mission becomes complicated when she accidentally picks up Henry, an Atomborn child who wields incredible power, and Clementine, a berserker on a quest for vengeance. Can our aviatrix survive this ruined and irradiated waste Land? Every issue can be read for free on bustercagle.com slash comics. Paper copies can be ordered as well, but, you know, you can still read it for free. If you like Wizards or Warplanes, go check it out. Now, back to our program.
All right, and we're back from break, and we are joined with our guest for this evening, cartoonist, comic artist, illustrator, what have you, Chicago-based, Nick Pyle. What's up, Nick? Hi. How are you doing, JB? Good, good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good to finally have you on the show. I feel like your name comes up. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, we bring you up a lot, but um, yeah, you doing all right, dude? Doing good. Doing good. Somewhat. Hell yeah. Somewhat. Yeah, that's, all, that's the best we can do, right? Yeah. Chugging along. Yeah, so you uh, let's go ahead and get right into the nitty gritty of things. You got a brand new book available for pre-order called Fend, right? Correct. Yeah, so um, I know it's, uh, is it being released through Death Wish or do you just like use them as a distribution type front? Uh, they are they helped me put it together and they're publishing it. They're they're acting as a as the total uh, publishing uh, entity behind it. It's incredible. They're a great company. Yeah. Do they do a lot of books? Or I know they do a lot of music, but do they do a lot of books? Yeah, they do. Yeah, on top of all the Converge stuff and all the other band distro things, they put out what looks to be like a few art books a year. So it ended up being a perfect fit because they put out like photo books and things with nice clear crisp printing with high production values and they know how to do it. It's all Jake Bannon. He really knows his way around a computer still. And it's been a great experience. They did everything. All I had to sit there. It was just say yes or no. And I loved it. And you've been using them like as your like storefront for a few years before the book, right? Correct. Yeah. How'd you get linked up with them? Because, you know, I know they're doing like the art books and stuff, but it's not a traditional, you know, comics. I know you just kind of made your way into comics. You were doing a lot of illustration and kind of flirting with it, but you're kind of going all in on it. And we'll go, you know, into that here shortly. But what was the decision to go with Death Wish over, you know, a more traditional publisher? How'd you get linked up with those dudes? Uh, they they reached out to me just out of the blue. Uh, I don't know if they someone recommended me to them, but I, I got on the radar somehow and they uh, reached out and the deal is really, really good and fair. And they do everything in-house. They have really nice, uh, those uh, inkjet t-shirt printers. So everything you're, you know, they can realistically reproduce anything onto a t-shirt in-house and all their prints are done there. Most of their merch, it's, and it's just distributed from their, that location as well. So it's like a great little business. It's been great. Are they out of Boston? I know Converge was, I think, from Boston, right? Yeah, no, they're from Connecticut. Connecticut. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. so are they based out of Connecticut? Because I'm assuming Jake is running everything up there? Yeah. Okay. Converge was just in town, and I almost went, but I was like, man, I'm too old to be in the crowd at a Converge <laughs> show. <laughs> I can't even be in the back of the room. Uh, I can't, yeah. I can't. I would have to be a special side room with a live feed or something. <laughs> I'd be so scared. But I would love to love to do it again. But I would just, I'm such a little hothouse orchid now. <laughs> What's your background with music? I kind of talked to you a little bit with Twitter. Like, were you in bands or what's your story there? Uh, yeah, I've been in uh, bands, kind of like noisy, scronky, punk and uh, metal-ish bands uh, around Chicago for uh, a long time. Probably like around... Uh, 15, 16 years or so. And uh, I, I definitely played in, uh, in in Louisville and I know a lot of Louisville bands. Yeah. What bands were you in? Can Are you, are you, is it cool to name some? Or? There, none of them were, none of them broke, uh, <laughs> broke out of their little bubble, but uh, there's one called Elders that we did like a, a little, a bunch of shows with uh, Akimbo and uh, uh, Young Widows. We played with yeah. a lot and uh, God bless Young Widows, one of the greats. And um, yeah, lots of other ones that, uh, Jeff, Jeff from Young Widows and uh, his, uh, what's that other band? Anyway, there's a million of them out there. You know, you're, you're aware of them all. Great town for music. So I'm all, I've always got people I know in, uh, in Louisville. 
Yeah, I just saw Young Widows a couple weeks ago, and they've still got it. Oh, yeah. Not that I thought they lost it or anything. I just haven't seen them in like a decade. So Me I was pleasantly surprised. Um, it was it was pretty good. Are they doing the those lights, the light things in their cabs still? Yeah, and they uh, had like they were on like a bigger stage. They were at, like a, a moderate size venue here in Louisville. And uh, yeah, it was pretty sick. So, oh, man, I love them so much. Yeah, yeah for sure. Where, where are you originally from? Are you from Chicago originally? Uh, Chicago land. Okay. So just about, yeah, up up in mall country. Gotcha. Uh, uh, on the way to Wisconsin, about 40 minutes outside. Gotcha. Is that the suburb, Chicago land? I don't really know what that is. Oh, yeah. It's a sweet burb, dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lots of wrestling shows there. Oh, yeah, there are. Yeah. I've been to a, I've been to a, I went to a few when I was younger and I heard a lot of people shouting uh, like a bunch of ethnic slurs and stuff. <laughs> and I stopped going after a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Was it like WWF or like local stuff? Yeah, it was WW other letter, but they really were. It was the bloody kind. Is that the kind? Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of comparable to GCW. What What was the promotion that was around back in like the early two thousands, mid two thousands? XPW. Maybe that's what it is. I can't. The I whole point of it was it was a lot of fluid sharing and spitting in your mouth and stuff. It was crazy. That's those are the oh. ones that I saw where I was just like. <laughs> like this is rocks but i'm so scared <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't do the deathmatch stuff I, i've never even been to one but i don't have to go to one i'm like mm. eh, i'm good you know i don't want any uh like you said any of that stuff uh potentially happening to me so <laughs> yeah. it's the best you you gotta go and like uh breathe in the light tube dust that's how you, that's yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how you know you're a real fan yeah <laughs> Getting cancer for GCW. <laughs> How many of those poor guys did that exact thing is going to happen? Yeah, right. And they already don't have health insurance. No, They're going to be fucked no. up as is. So it's not even a joke. It's like so real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like art, I guess. Except you know, a little more, uh, you know, sped up. Yeah, I, I, I rationalize it with like uh, most of them are usually white supremacists. So yeah, breathe it in. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Who fucking cares? <laughs> and the CTE. Yeah. Oh, do yeah, both. Do all yeah. of it. Double up on it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> CTE, CTF, CTG. Keep going down the line. All right. So I want to go ahead and get into uh, you know I guess like uh, your background. So uh, you you grew up in Chicago land. Uh, were you in and out of the city? Uh, pretty close to it. Yeah. In high school, I was. We were going in, going to going to the uh, Chicago comics and going to shows and stuff like that so you were a comics reader growing up uh yes big time until my 20s and then i stopped for like uh another 10 years and then got back into it again after that so i but i, I was like a like a regular comic shop comic reader and then got into the indies and then stopped reading and then started reading the indies again and then started reading the the really stupid shit again <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Like, were you just kind of reading everything? Were you a Marvel guy, a DC guy, or were you more like an image kind of dude? Anything. Anything that looked cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what was your kind of shit like growing up? Like, was there anything you gravitated towards? Uh, I did get hooked on the Liefeld train, like everybody did. Um, so anything that was like that, I got really into. And then pretty quickly after that, I I gravitated towards uh, just the Daniel Klaus stuff. I kind of like get a hard turn right off of it onto the indie comics du jour and like largely just like left all the Liefeld type things in the dirt and like threw it like, ugh, I don't even want, why are you here? Yeah. And uh, moved on <laughs> to the other stuff. 
so Klaus was like, I'm assuming in Chicago at this time. He must have been. I, yeah, I mean, he was a grown up, so I, I don't know. So were you like what I guess what I was getting at there was, was there any kind of like local buzz that you recall like, oh, this dude's from around here. You should check this out. Or did you just kind of come by it? Uh, I, I read about it in Wizard Magazine. That's where I found about it. But then I oh, okay, okay. My, my brother was eight years older than me. So he and his friends, he didn't like he didn't like comics, but his friends talked about them and had them in like their dorm room and stuff like that. So I would see I got exposed to a lot of those things ugh, in a dorm room. But no, uh, expo- <laughs> I, I got to see a lot of those early things. And I, you know, desperately wanted to be o- older and cool. So I got really hooked into that stuff early. Now, are you drawing this entire time or? Uh, not a meaningful way. I think I would have said that it was my like life's dream to put out a comic. But I, I had not done any kind of real work on I I doodled, but like I had plateaued early and then pretty much stopped once I bought a like bought a base at a pawn shop and switched to that I I, I stopped drawing pretty much so when did it come back because you're fucking good dude so like did you like kind of just stop completely or is it something you were doing like you know in the background throughout your life like when did you know when did art kind of come into your life and you pursue it uh that started when uh, I got a job at uh Dick Blick in Chicago in, in uh, Lincoln Park what is that um, it's a art supply store. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's a big, it's a big chain, big box art supply store. Yeah. Kind of thing. Not a big box, medium box art supply store. I yeah. Got a job there. Do they have like politics, like Hobby Lobby? That's what we have here in Kentucky. No, <laughs> no. not to that degree. Not <laughs> okay, to that good. degree. Yeah. yeah, no. They have loathsome investors, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even put them in the same space as like a Michael's or a Hobby Lobby. They're a little more like uh, focused on getting the uh, art school money. Basically, anybody that goes okay. to art school, you are going to blick whether you like it or not. So it's like a camp. They, they, per- they set up near campuses and shit. Uh, yes, they they absolutely do. And yeah, or neighborhoods where a bunch of schools are and everyone goes there. That, that's kind of right. Yeah, it's geared towards that. But I got a job there and I met a lot of really cool people, some of whom made comics. And I uh, was was like just very interested in seeing that, but also like a lot of other artists and then my big coworker um, that really changed a lot of stuff for me was Corinne Halbert. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Corinne, she was she was a manager uh, manager there, right? This was before that. She was just I was working in the I was working in the back room. I, I did all the shipping and receiving and stuff like that and gotcha. she was on the floor. Okay. She worked there for a, a while after that and did become a manager. Yeah. I got to get Corinne yeah. on the show actually. But um that's besides the oh, point. She hasn't, yeah. she hasn't been on? Uh-uh. No, oh, not yet. Yeah, that's surprising actually. She's yeah. a delight. She, she's a very funny and delightful human being. But uh, I, I, I ran into her one time and uh, we were talking about art. She was talking about what she was doing. And then she recommended to me the uh, that, that brush pen that everyone gets. The uh, Oh, yeah. The Pentel brush pen. The, the Pentel brush pen. And I got that. And uh, I like went out that, that, that night and I went and bought one. And I started drawing. And I was living uh, – I was in a relationship with, a, with a, a tattoo artist. So she was drawing all the time. And uh, it all kind of just picked up speed really quickly. This was like – uh, 10 years ago or, or maybe nine years ago. That I, that so I, you're not drawing with any kind of regularity before a decade ago? Yeah. Damn. Okay. So wh- how did you, what were you doing? Were you just like trying to like, you know, mimic what you liked? Uh, how were you putting it together? Uh, before I started doing this, I, I, I like veered hard sci-fi at a certain point. Uh, like I really, specific, if you like look at my Instagram feed, you can pinpoint the moment where pretty much where I was like, oh, that robot looks sick and I'm going to keep doing that. You can just see that exact thing. Um, before that, I was just kind of getting into simple single panel uh, cartooning. I was reading P. 
Peanuts and uh, Pogo <laughs> and all these uh, sort of like regular black and white cartoonist cartooning and kind of thinking about trying to do that. And then eventually just for some reason, like the, the science fiction thing came out of nowhere. I mean, I, I like sci-fi stuff, but I'm not like a dork. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm cool about it. I'm cool with yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the sci-fi element is there. I always got like a very strong uh, Kirby aesthetic from a lot of those oh, early thanks. drawings. Uh, especially, I, yeah, really- there was a lot of crackle, you know, you know the classic sure. Kirby crackle. There's a, there's still a lot of crackle. I was just drawing crackle this uh, very evening. Just drawing all kinds of dots. Give me the dots. Yeah, it's fun to do. Yeah, there's something uh, very satisfying <laughs> about it. Are you able to zone out like and really like just like bliss out drawing dots? I can I can do it pretty well now. That's well, I kind of focus on just how to get more dots onto this thing so I can stop <laughs> turn my brain off <laughs> for the love of God. Yeah, I, I'd much rather do dots than uh, you know thousands of lines. I'll say that much. Amen. Especially straight lines. Like, fuck that. That's going to drive me up a wall. I'm no longer using it. I, I think having a ruler is weakness. <laughs> so you're freehanding all your straight lines? I'm try- I, I truly, I'll use it a little bit when I have to draw something like otherworldly, like where it's, it's got to be straight or else it, for a reason or something. But I have, I've given up on that. I've, all my rulers, they leave like a black smudge on my finger and it's a mess. So I'd rather just wing it and hope for the best. Hell yeah. yeah well, uh, I can't fair. tell looking at it. It looks, you know, immaculate. So yeah, yeah congratulations on that for real. That's uh just go fast. If you want to do a straight line. Right. Just yeah. Zoom. Yep. One stroke as fast as you can. It'll read straight even if it's not. Yeah. So your first comic that you're releasing is this Fend book. And you recently, I guess I say recently, but I guess it's the past couple of years kind of transitioned into wanting to make comics as opposed to just like doing like illustration and, uh, you know, printmaking and so forth. So what did you just finally feel the confidence? You were just like, hey, I'm going to finally make a book. You know, what made you feel like it was time to jump over and do a comic? I, I had the idea finally that I was like, oh, I think I can probably just do one of these. And um, I tried to do like my first one without having done any kind of really like a ton of reading or absorbing of comics kind of or becoming like super literate in comics. I like sort of just winged it and it came out. It looked like dog shit. It didn't make any sense. And it was like very frustrating and sad. <laughs> and then I, then I decided like, I'll just, I don't have to make whole comics. I can just make pages that look like them. And then I started like being like, well, this is just kind of like making a painting with four sub paintings in it and like making, or rather not a painting, an illustration that is, has four on one page and they can be read in a link. I, I had to kind of twist it in my mind a little bit for it to make sense. And then once I started doing that, I started making these test pages, like just a nonsense thing, just some stuff happening in a comics and just seeing like, what would it look like when a finished page was done? Especially with the, I had an established style, like the chrome and the dots and all the lines and whatnot. I had to figure out a way to keep that, but also make it be uh, clear enough to read. Right. Ended up being so hard because my drawings are so confusing sometimes <laughs> it like <laughs> okay and I, and I don't do a lot of like um prep work or like thumbnailing. Yeah, planning and thumbnailing that's right yeah. i don't do a lot of that and uh I, I just slowly kind of developed a list of rules that allowed me to tell a complete story it took for it took a million tries i have like 30 of those fake comic pages and i have like four uh, ab- like abortive attempts at simple comic stories that didn't like that I got like five pages in and then six pages in and then I, before I quit and then 10 and then finally I was able to shit out something that made sense and then that I felt like I was a little bit off to the races after I finally finished one thing you know 
So you mentioned how, you know, you don't do a lot of thumbnailing and whatnot. Like, so even with the latest book, there wasn't a lot of prep going on. You were kind of just winging it. You kind of knew what you were going to do, I'm assuming, but you were kind of just winging it, you know, getting through it. Uh, To get through it, I went page to page. And I guess the thumbnail was the entire thing because I would just start drawing on the thing. Yeah. And if it if it looked like shit, I would just get a new piece of paper and start it over. Um, but I, after a while, I got to the point where I was like, oh, I have like six pages in a row where I can tell what everything is happening. It was definitely like a, an accumulated skill. I don't know if that answers your question. I hope yeah. So. Well, you're completely analog as well, right? Like you're all no digital yeah. really, right? I have a little. The one I the, the comic I uh, sent you guys for your other thing, yeah, was uh, digitally colored, and I, and I do like digital color, and I, they're totally useful. And I, I apply all my uh, screen tones and stuff digitally. They're just all I just buy buy old screen tone and scan it, and then you can use it a million times. Mm. See, okay, I was looking at uh, you know the piece you sent us, and I noticed like the backgrounds and whatnot. But I guess that scanned in screen tone. I thought it was real. So good job on, on the Fen yeah. comic. On the Fen comic, it's real. Okay, I okay. did. I did use real screen tone on the Fen to- Fen comic just because I wanted the verisimilitude but i i i I like to use the i want to get better using a computer where you can't really see the computer as much and just see like the pure color yeah which is all i really want like it fades and all that stuff i I really don't want to have that so you want to start moving more digital as opposed to staying in like this analog world uh i love i love uh doing it on paper so i'll probably do both yeah just, I just want to get good at the computer side of it just because it's easier to do. Right. Well, and that's, I think, one thing that sets you apart is that you are working in a primarily analog, you know, forum. It seems like, you know, the majority of the stuff that you post is all, you know, hand done, which in my opinion makes it, you know, that much more impressive. So what is your process like? I know you said that, you know, you didn't really thumbnail. Do you kind of have this idea in your head? Is there a lot of pre-planning with the sketches, at least when you're doing like, I don't want to say costume design, but character concept stuff? Uh, the co- the costume design, the character concept work is the thing I spend the most time on. The, the okay. backgrounds of every story so far that I've done, and I've done a, few, a, a couple more since Fend, they are utterly spare. Like uh, c- Carrier Bag, uh, the, the one I'm doing now on Instagram is like the, the part of the story I'm now, they're in a white void. There's absolutely <laughs> nothing. There's no visual input except for like one little thing in the background just to kind of center. Occasionally you kind of get a glimpse of something in the background just to remind you of the person, the, the reader of where they are. Right. But I cannot be bothered with drawing a table or a lamp or other people or her. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely shy away from backgrounds, so I totally vibe with that 100%. I fucking hate that shit. And I think that you can get away with not using them as a stylistic choice, something that, you know, you seem to do very well. Now, with Fend, when did you start working on this? Uh, I did that uh, last year. I did it about uh, six months. Okay. And were you working on it every day? Was it something you were kind of putting down and coming back to? I was putting it down and coming back to it. I still have a day job, so... It was mostly a nights and weekends thing. Gotcha. Is your day job like art related or nah? No. It's just a regular old tippity tip tap job. Hell yeah. So do you set like a daily kind of schedule to, you know, get some drawing done or do you kind of just do it on a weekends only type deal? It is my total pleasure to do all the time. It's so fun. I still get a huge kick out of it. I I do it pretty much. I mean, I have a sketchbook with me at all times. I'm always kind of chipping away at something but i i love it it's the my main hobby maybe next to like cooking dinner um so it's not like a thing i i need to uh f- squeeze in it's like the only thing i really do okay maybe learning Soundgarden songs on a guitar is the other thing but <laughs> <Hell> yeah <laughs> yeah no, it's pretty cool but okay 
<laughs> Going back to, to bands, was Race Trader based out of Chicago? Or am I just making that up? That was the band with the guy from uh Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy. Uh yeah, they they were. I never saw that. My friend my friends saw that. I, I did not see I was not curious about a band called Race Trader, even though I knew it was like a <laughs> I just <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> what kind of bands were you seeing? Like, uh, wh- were you going to like local shows? Were you just catching touring acts? I was going to see. I was going to see Shellac. Hell yeah! I was going to see Traders. I was going to see, but not Race Trader. <laughs> no, <laughs> God, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, mostly like like the kind of like amphetamine reptile style noise rock uh-huh. bands. I love that stuff. Like uh, Big In and uh, God, my brain's p- putting right now, but like anything that was like clanky and had like an aluminum neck guitar, I I love that stuff, and I still I still do. Are you, are there any like new bands that you're into? I'm always like looking for like new bands that kind of capture that old feel, which makes me feel old as fuck. But are there any like new bands that you're listening to with that kind of like vibe? New, not maybe not new, but uh, you guys listen to the band Pile, right? No. P I L E. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, I've heard of a band called Chat Pile, saw... but not Pile. Chat Pile's, yeah, that's another thing. Pile is one of my favorite bands. I they're from Boston. They're uh like a just a really good kind of hard. You, it's one of those bands you can't describe it without making it sound like shit. But I really recommend Pile to anybody. Kind of noisy stuff. Likes or... it. Noisy guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost has like a singer songwriter vibe. Like I mean, guys like writes thoughtfully. He's not just like a guy in a black t shirt shouting. <laughs> uh, yeah, things of that hey, shout nature. Shout out to those He's guys. Like, shout out to those guys, though. <laughs> they make the world exactly. go round. We need them. They we really them. do. But uh, there's plenty of them. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he's he's he shouts a little. There's some sh- there's some shouting, but it's it's I don't know. It's just like a, like a more thoughtful kind of noisy rock experience, and I really love them. And I love uh, let's see, there's this band uh, Sewing Needle out of Chicago are fantastic. And of course, uh, have you guys heard of the Weekend? Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say like kidding. the uh, the big R and B group, but I thought maybe yeah 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 hey yeah yeah definitely I can get you know you deep cuts yeah fuck. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Going back to like trying to describe a band and then sounding, you know, making making the band sound like they suck. I have a I have a real bad habit of doing that when I'm trying to s- describe certain bands. Like trying to describe Ohm to somebody who's never heard of Ohm is fucking impossible. Yeah. Without yeah, it just yeah, just it, the worst sell, the worst possible sell. Pretty much every band I like, where it's like, oh, it's like it's kind of sounds like. A uh, really bad out of tune band. The singer sounds like a mental patient. Like it's so yeah. good. Everything is like that. Like trying to describe the Jesus lizard or something. Like he sounds so mentally <laughs> ill. Or like describing a uh, what's that band you like, uh, uh, Cam? The, the guys with the afros. Oh, the Mars Volta. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. So I don't. Bad. I don't even try. It's just like here's a song, and if you like it, cool. Um. But I feel yeah, like enough just, people know who the Mars Volta are, though. Yeah, no, no, no. That, but I just mean like in general. Like if I'm trying to, uh, you know, describe music, I'm like, just just check this song out. I think you'll like yeah. this. But that's a lot. E- it's a lot easier to do that now than back in the day, where you know you had to be like, yeah, they sound like this and this and this. But now I'm totally like a fucking like technology. I'm just like, yeah, here I'll just shoot you the Spotify link. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm describing certain bands, I'll use those bands as descriptors. Yes. You know, 
Like if anybody asked me what Bell Witch sounds like, I'm like, uh, they kind of sound sort of like Ohm. And then the question, the next question is, what does Ohm sound like? And I'm like, I don't know. Stop talking to me. <laughs> yeah, that's the right answer. <laughs> like, they're trying to trick you into like, yeah, no, hundred percent. That's a trap, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't fall for that one. Are you playing with any bands right now, Nick, or nah? No, I kind of, I kind of, I, I do have a little thing I, I knew around with some friends, but I was in bands multiple times a week, multiple bands for a long time, and then. Once uh, I my drawing picked up a little steam on Instagram, uh, it totally the algorithm controlled me into stopping playing music for like a long time because I just started like posting and getting involved in that stuff on there and then getting work out of that. And uh, uh, but uh, now now that I'm kind of up and running again, I miss I miss uh, shouting and screaming into a microphone. So I'm going to get back to it. <laughs> so it's interesting you mentioned that. So. For, you know, a while, the drawing was scratching the same itch or was it just kind of, you know, occupying it and occupying your time enough in a productive enough way to where you were just like, I don't need to do that right now. It's I had just been in bands forever and group group yeah. art projects are oftentimes the most fulfilling thing you can do. And a lot of times it can just drain the love of the thing right out of you. So I needed to take a break from that and it just happened to have something else to do i'm always kind of doing something trying to anyway so mm-hmm. i just like shifted over and took a break from it I, and what ended up being a break for a long time i was like i don't know i don't think i'm ever going to go back to playing in bands i'm it's so much easier to get things done when it's just one person it's just kind of on me to right. finish stuff that's the part that sucks real bad <laughs> so you said you know you were kind of it took off on instagram and you were you know quote unquote dictated by the uh, algorithm so were you just like playing the hashtag game? Because it did seem like, you know, I was seeing your shit everywhere. And I was like, oh, this shit's really cool. Like, uh, you know, what what exactly happened there? Did you just like get shared on a viral account? The, uh, the, the hashtag thing, I guess, possibly doesn't. I still don't know. It's still kind of like a, a mystery to me. I refuse to learn too much about the algorithm and how to make it happy. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it just don't be don't be beholden to it if you can help it. Do you feel like you're like still doing all right now? I feel like for the like Instagram's just been so crazy lately. Oh no, I'm way down, but I you know it's it's fine. Yeah. Right, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. try and get like a a newsletter going, and then maybe I can stop using Instagram so much. But we'll see. It's kind of it's gonna crap out sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you draw, are you uh, somebody that listens to music or or no? Uh, yeah, I have my my little uh, super high capacity MP3 player that's filled with like 80 gazillion songs. And I just kind of put it on shuffle for hours at a time. It's beautiful. Mm, nice. Nice. You still have all your vinyl? Because I know being in this, you know, the scene that you were in, a lot of that shit was on vinyl only. Uh, no, a lot of it I lost in a catastrophic uh, basement flood. Damn. Oh. It ended up being a bit of a, you know, it's a mix. But once you, you guys collect stuff after a while, it's... Just can be a, over overwhelming, yeah. A yolk around your neck after a while. Yeah, yeah. If I have my sure. camera on, you can see this. Like I have a huge amount of books, and I'm just like, I just would just burn the building down. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're collecting right now? Comics, books. During the pandemic, I I got into the. Uh, I always knew that comics were cheap, and that the, on the resale market, the used bookstore stuff like that, they are so cheap. And so I bought a ton of comics and graphic, not primarily graphic novels and books and so on, on like halfpricebooks.com or 
uh, doing like drop-off service from like uh, local used book places and so on. And I really amassed a remarkably upsettingly large collection of that stuff now. (laughs) Just to read, I really really wanted to have a big base of knowledge, I think. And I realized there were so many ways to solve different drawing problems. And many of them had already been solved by so many different artists that I may as well just have those answers like at the ready. And I, I've always been kind of a collectee type person. So that just was perfect for me. What else are you uh, collecting? Anything else? Right now it's just, uh, just books and of course Bibles, but no, mostly just, just with just like regular art books, graphic novels. Are you collecting Bibles for real? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, hey, Sorry. you know, no, we do, you know, collectors, you know, we collect weird shit sometimes. So I didn't know. You I never know. Possibly collected. I mean, yeah. Hmm. Uh, you have like uh, the Dead Sea Scroll yeah. bidding on that on eBay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Rosetta Stone. Like I have yeah. an authentic chunk of the stone, dude. <laughs> so uh, before we do get into listener questions on the back end of the show, I do want to you know just talk a little bit more about Fend. It is your first long form project, uh, sixty pages. I haven't seen it in real life, but it looks like it might be like European album size. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, it's nice and big. Yeah, hardcover. Um, yeah. Hardcover, yeah. The first this this uh, pre order is all hardcover, and then after that, we're gonna do a round of uh, soft boys. Oh, okay, okay. And were you in heavy metal? I feel like, or did you do some stuff for them? I got interviewed in heavy metal magazine. Okay, okay. Did they put some of your drawings in there? They did. They put a bunch in, and I got a I got a one of their variant covers too. It was pretty incredible. Okay, it was a very yeah. I was gonna say I feel like I have something around here with your art on it. Um, that was heavy metal related. How did you get linked up with that? Was that Morrison doing that at the time? No, who was it? It was the uh, editor. In, it was the editor in chief. Uh, DM me on uh, in uh, Instagram, and then asked me if I want to do a cover, and then and then pretty quickly escalated to uh, doing an interview and uh, a little gallery showcase in there. Hell yeah! I feel like your work is a good fit for like a modern heavy metal. So I thought it was a really nice marriage of uh, style and their ethos and what they try to present normally. Yeah, I've been I've been ripping them off for years. It makes perfect sense that I would be in there. <laughs> Hell yeah! But yeah, going back to Fend. You know, you mentioned that you were kind of working it out as it came to you. No really, you know, thumbnailing or anything. So what is your story? uh, Well, what does your writing process look like? Is that all internal in your head or, you know, when you're actually like, okay, this is going to be, you know, the beginning, middle and end of the comic. If you're kind of working it out on the page, do you kind of know where you're going or are you figuring that out as well on the fly? Uh, There's nothing, nothing concrete, like pre even re even uh, thinking beforehand, uh, I don't do, I just, the only thing I'm thinking beforehand is like, I know I want to have certain kinds of moments or like, I want to be able to, like, I want to draw like an incredibly huge centerpiece punching scene. Like a punch that is just an insane amount of shit flying everywhere. And it just, just the person who gets punched has a really bad day. So I knew I, I really wanted to like have that happen. And so the rest of the comic was me like getting them all together, getting it up to that point. So I was just kind of thinking of that. And then as I went, I just sort of had them interact with their environment a little bit, just like. I would draw something and be like, oh, and I had they walk over to that thing and they see it closer and it kind of leads it all along in, in a weird way. It's coming from my subconscious because I'm not any, any, no, there's no story being told at all, like actively that I've like thought of beforehand. It's all like I'm intentionally making it super vague um, so that people can all have their own take on who they are, what they are, why, why are they doing things? What do they want? You know, there's no, there's almost no talking uh, in this comic and Fen. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's going to be just like two sentences are uttered in the entire thing. So the rest of it, what I wanted to people to wonder are who is the villain? Who is the, who are the good people? And who are the bad people? And why are the, 
people that you think are good, are they good? Are they really? Are you looking at them closely enough? Like stuff like that. And of course, there's tons of details packed into their character design that answer a few of those questions. Um, but I, I, I try and keep it all as vague as possible because I don't want to dictate uh, the story. I want it all to unfold in the mind as much as possible. So kind of talking about how the sausage is made, when we're making these books, you know, just cartoonists in general, usually conscious of like, oh, okay, you know, books, you have to think in sets of four for printing, you know, like pages, and then, you know, two as far as spreads. So are you thinking like, you know, oh, I have to make this first part, you know, 20 pages because, you know, it's going to be, I don't really know how to articulate, I guess what I'm saying here with the, like the breaks and the pacing as far as constructing it all into a book. Are you conscious of that while you're working? This time around, I, I consciously did not do double pages for that reason. I just made okay. my single pages as explosively huge as I possibly could. But I, I knew that uh, I have like, my brain doesn't like that kind of information. Like yeah. places having to be in specific spots for it to work. And I would be, I would need like a book, like a, to someone to help me through it. I'm, and the next book I'm going to do, I might actually hire a, a book uh, designer to help me do it. Perfect segue. Uh, what are you working on next? Can you talk about it? Sure. Oh, I have Carrier Bag. I don't know if you guys are reading that one. Yeah, the online comic. Are you going to print that up? I want to print that up. I would love to. Um, once it's done, it's going to end in a few episodes, hopefully, if I can finish it. I'm doing it. I'm writing it the same way as Fen, so I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> That's yeah. why it's kind of cool. If, if you're following it on Instagram, it really is like all of us watching it together. I think it's really kind of a cool experience because mm -hmm. I do not know how it will end. Uh, but I do know that I would be really great to have it as a... Uh, as a as a as a book, like especially a manga sized four by or five by seven edition, and it's already about three hundred and fifty pages, so it'll be a nice thick. Yeah, I don't know how that <laughs> happened. I wrote that thing. That thing is, I, I'll I'll make that, and I'll never be able to look at that again because I'll I'll be so scared of what I'm going to see. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to shop it around to publishers, or do you have somebody in mind? I would love it just a little. I don't. Uh, I don't know if I. I don't, I don't know if who, who I would even. Do who would even do it with a publisher? I, I was hoping like maybe just like a small, a smaller, a smaller publisher. I, I was like the indie circuit, and it's where I'm the most comfortable. Avi, hit him up. Oh yeah, yeah. over at Silver Sprocket. Uh, they just put out Corinne's uh, books. So yes, I like Silver Sprocket. Uh, Sprocket. You know, yeah, Sprocket rocks. All right. Well, uh, are you working on anything? I know, like, I hate, like, it's like, oh, this is the current thing. So I hate asking about, oh, what's next down the pipeline? But like, you know, you're working on carrier bag. Is there anything else that you've got, you know, cooking the back burner or anything? Yeah, I have uh, most of the way done with this book called Ka, K-A. It's about a uh, giant, not a giant, like a 10 or 12 foot tall bird with uh, kind of googly eyes and a, and a long beak who uh, lands on this kind of futuristic, uh, think about like a uh, cloud city from that uh, movie series. Uh, what's it called? Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Little known indie <laughs> flicks. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a sort of a, movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like a, sort of like a, a, a cloud, uh, you know, a sky city and, and it lands on there. And uh, just as a huge amount of, uh, does a, a lot of extremely gory violence. Hell and, yeah. Uh, that one's almost I, I'm all the way up to the uh, end of that one. But then I stopped because I started doing carrier bag because uh, I just felt compelled to do that one. So it has like another 20 pages on it. Then that'll be done. That'll be about a 100 page story. Damn. OK, so uh, assuming all this stuff's going to be out sooner than later, since it's pretty much, you know, on the more end of its life cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, right. he, yeah, sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah. I, hell yeah. I'm motivated right. to keep moving. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm excited to see it and uh, excited to get Fend. We will let you plug in on the back end. Is there anything you want to ask JB or before we get to user uh, listener questions? What's the best pizza place in Chicago? Pizza Pan Paya on Montrose. Hmm. I don't think I've been there before. Is it the deep dish stuff? Or? They do have deep dish, but it's not quite. It's a, a Colombian restaurant. They make uh, arepas and empanadas and stuff like that normally. They just happen to make some of the most, the, some of the best thin crust pizza. It's a butter crust. And they use a mozzarella and I think a Colombian cheese. It's got a little tang mm. to it. And their, their sauce is, is really sweet, but okay. I like that. It's not like cloyingly sweet, but it's like a nice sweet sauce. And this place, I I I, I go there as often as I possibly can. It's gonna it's gonna kill me, but it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are you putting on the pizza? What's your toppings of choice? I just do cheese. I'm a cheese boy these okay. days, but all right, all right. I'll do it. I'll do anything. I, I like garbage pizza. I like doing anything, but like lately, I've been defaulting to cheese just because of the you know the 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 darn world's so complicated. Does my pizza have to be so complex? <laughs> yeah, I have a buddy who I guess like he was doing the the bar stool pizza shit like before that guy was doing. Not like he would go around like purposely trying pizza, but like throughout the years of knowing him, he would always like critique pizza and be so serious about it. And he'd be like, pizza ain't shit. If it's not good as cheese only, he, he was <laughs> like, it, you, if you have to mask it, it's not shit. So he would always just order cheese only for that reason to like try the actual quote unquote, try the pie. He's got a point there. I, mean, I agree. I, you know? I do have to agree with this person. He's a little intense for me, yeah. but I do agree. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's, that's a hundred percent though. Yeah. I think there's pizza that is shit, you know, without the, yeah. you know, God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you can't if you can't do a, a basic cheese pizza, then you know it does not bode well for anything else. True, it's got to be. I mean, it's more about the crust. The crust has to be good. And this place, Pizza Pan Paya, has like I feel like it's a, it's crust and lard because it's it's got the dirt. It's got the it's really good. It makes you really yeah. happy. <laughs> where is uh, where's it at? It's on Montrose uh, oh, you said a little that. bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's on. Uh, uh, are you familiar with Chicago? Yeah. Kind of, but I don't know what Montrose is. Like, I know, you know, if somebody's just like, "Oh, it's in Logan Square," I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I know where that is." <laughs> you know, like it's the next neighborhood north of Logan Square. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's not too far out there. It, it's like definitely got. Uh, I live in an area where there's not a lot of cool stuff, which is the way I like it. But that <laughs> having this like secret, secret little spot there is like incredible. Because if I have to go to like get a pick up a prescription at Walgreens, I'll stop in there and get. An arepa or the empanadas are just fire, man. They're great. Albany Park is getting kind of wild, though. Yeah, it's the next one. It's because Logan Square is unlivable and Wicker Park's unlivable. So Avondale and Albany Park are going to be the next neighborhoods. Right, right. Yeah, because like 10 years ago, Albany Park wasn't shit. There was just like, what, like used car lots? That's about it. Check to cash places. Yeah, Yeah, and now there's just like a bunch of like weird shit I would never expect. There's that stuff, but there's also a lot of really good like neighborhood stuff that's been here for 20 or 30 years. It's all like Colombian food and Argentinian uh, like weird little steakhouse places and stuff. It's it's great and an amazing uh, Middle Eastern and Indian food. Just mm. top top tier Lebanese food is is the greatest up here. All right, I'm gonna have to make a, a little food stop up there next time I'm in town. Food stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Chicago's got a lot of good food, man. They, they yeah. got it going on. Oh, it's a total food city, bro. Yeah, yeah it, no, is. it is. <laughs> it is. 
<laughs> All right. Yeah. So let's get into listener questions. We have a good number of questions from our listeners. Thank you for sending them in. If you would like to participate in one of our future shows and have questions for our guests, we usually throw up something on our Instagram feed, uh, sometimes on Twitter. Uh, so if you want to uh, ask a question, just shoot it uh, to us there. Or you can email us at uh, gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com. Patreon, blah, 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 send us your money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's get let's get into it, folks. All uh, right. First see. question came from Instagram user Lulico, L-U-L-Y-C-O. Uh, top three foundational skills to master. <laughs> Pretty broad. Foundational skills to do certain kinds of things for cartooning, should I say? Or I'm just... guessing, yeah, this is probably about art and cartooning. Otherwise, uh, I'd say like speech, walking. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> motor motor cortex yeah. communication, and of course, the frontal lobe. Uh, I would say uh, foundational would be foundational. I mean, that word is so. This question is tough. I would say like uh, knowing when something looks wrong, like and being honest with yourself. Um, if it doesn't look exactly like it at the pencil stage, if it doesn't look exactly like how you personally want it to look then you must erase and start over and not force through it because it's not really going to get any better at least in my experience and also next one blue pens you're and a blue, red pens blue yeah all right no i don't know uh, <laughs> <laughs> just just learn how to bake make, make, just don't 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 go to your inks to if you're if you're gonna be a, doing inky cartooning stuff like that just make sure the pencils look as tight as you exactly how you want them to look and if they don't look keep carving away at it until the Pencil runs through the paper or whatever and start again. Hell yeah. Okay, next question is from Instagram user Rye Human. They ask, are there plans for Carrier Bag to be printed as a hardcover? We love Rye. Rye's a nice guy. I would love to uh, do that. I uh, just have to find the right person, but I would totally love to do it. I, I like the idea of publishing. I don't want to become a someone who does it too much. Maybe... Once every couple of years, I'll put something out, or maybe I don't. I don't know. I just want to. I don't want to flood the world with unnecessary books. <laughs> but as long as it's something that like it seems like people want it, I will definitely do it. But uh, it, it's looking like a lot of my stuff is going to be uh, online. I think I don't know. I think maybe the next one I might do a Patreon comic where you just like literally just follow for follow that, or or if I do the the newsletter thing. That's one thing I want to talk to you guys is like are newsletter comics a thing? A weekly newsletter comic is that a People are kind of doing the Substack thing, but I think the actual like Substack ship has sailed. Yes, it seems like the company is bad. Yeah, um, <laughs> but that said, I mean, it is a good way to directly correspond with your fan base, and that is something that you can do via Patreon in the sense of you can update it, and there's filters where posts go to certain tiers and so forth. Yeah. But, I mean... You know, it's not anything as far as like sending them out. I've never done it, so I don't have any, you know, actual, you know, examples of it working or not. But I think if you've got a fan base that are willing to sign up for it, you know, why not? Maybe I would. I don't know. Definitely. Uh, Substack seems like it's like a gross venture capitalist scheme of some kind. It's going to fail pretty miserably. But uh, people that do a good job, I say Ben Sears does a good job where he gets to be like, pimps out his stuff that's coming out and he also puts in like new things and uh that system seems to work pretty well for the the newsletter style the only problem with newsletters is you don't have that ambient growth from people finding right. it right uh yeah. it's just static so like you kind of have to have your instagram going at the same time too which as i said i like can only do so much longer before i just start to feel so bad about myself yeah and i mean it seems like it's 
it's only a matter of time before the next thing, but I don't know what the next thing is going to be. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, we're fucked, yeah. honestly. <laughs> it's not good. I'm trying yeah, to put that, stuff, yeah. I'm trying to get out into the zeitgeist now, so at least before the world gets so loco that... Uh, no, there's no one's looking for any kind of fun stuff to do. They're all just looking for drinkable water. So until then, I would like to put out a every occasionally put out a book and then also uh, have my landlord keep my heat. Yeah. On. Those are my <laughs> big mm-hmm. goals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, tech bros, if you're listening, please save us yeah. once again, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question came from a friend of the show, uh, David Caldwell. David asked, what inspires Nick's use of color? Are you, are you using Copic? The use of my co- the color, uh, all the colors I use are what I, they're all Copic markers. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I was able to match the colors I used to f- uh, the original color palettes of the old comics that I really like, the old uh, silver and golden age um, printing rainbow. So I've got a process blue and I got the canary yellow, all the stuff that they really use. So that's really what it is. Um, just like wanting to reproduce those bright colors and then have a, the, my, my big thing that's fun with my illustration work, which is just these kind of like flexing robots that it has been for years, just like kind of like tough looking bots was to, uh, do a ton of color work and then cover up a, a lot of it with black ink. And I found that really satisfying. And then also after that black ink goes down to color again on top of it with paint pens and uh, layering is just for some reason, very satisfying act. I don't know if you guys ever do like proper art, you know, like just actual, I know you guys are cartoonists, but um, painting or colored pencils or markers and things like that. Yeah. I mean, like I was messing around with Posca's for a while. Then I ran out of ink and just never refilled them. Okay. Yeah. There, anything I would say it's fun to do because all of my art supplies dry super quick. So I'm able to move really fast. Yeah. And that's where like the fun card, cause you just don't know how it's going to end up. It's like a, it could end up really bad and overworked, but also it could be like just like the, this one little dot in this one spot that was a total accident makes it the whole thing perfect for me. And I, I'm chasing that feeling forever. Those happy accidents. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Next question is from Instagram user Luca.Suarez77. They ask, where did you get most of your artistic inspiration from? Most of it is from, uh, I'm a big, uh, just a big art lover in general. So I, I, I look at a lot, a wide variety of it, of uh, Spaceship Earth's art, uh, of which there's plenty to find. So a lot of it is just kind of ambiently poking around for inspiration in books. I'm, like I said, I'm a big used book guy and like to just buy a giant book of uh, like an entire mu- museum collections of oil paintings and the pictures are all not that big. You know, they're all kind of like the mid part of the page and just flip through super fast and things that catch my eye. And I do that all the time. And that's, that's really where a lot of my inspiration comes from. Just, just for, it's not even for like even the stuff that I do. Cause I'm, I'm drawing fucking robots. It's not like I'm a uh, Michelangelo over here, but I do like <laughs> to look at the uh, all kinds of different art to trigger stuff in my head that totally works and it's the thing i do often hell yeah all righty uh next question came from instagram user heavy underscore handed underscore creations where can i see your work in person in chicago do you have any exhibits or anything open right now no i don't um i might but i'm i'm kind of a wallflower it's very unlikely that i'll be doing uh anything publicly maybe maybe but i don't know what i would do i'd probably melt down in some weird way (laughs) right on (laughs) <laughs> yeah right <on>. yeah 
That's the tortured artist. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Instagram user Mitchell D. Coleman asked, so what's the biggest challenge in general for you? I think we figured that out. It's uh... my brain. <laughs> yeah. It's been rough. There you go. You guys just don't read, you know, don't read my diary, but just whatever you do. Well, I mean, luckily your live journal is set to private, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. It might still be up there, too. My bad record reviews from 1998. Oh, mine is for sure out there. I will never tell anybody. I deleted it. I definitely, if you look in the Wayback Machine, I'm sure there's me at 17 uh, reviewing in Casino out by At The Drive-In. But I'm already starting to go bald. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just really complicated, (laughs) having a lot of like really complicated emotions about it. All righty. We already kind of got into this, but we usually do ask questions. Uh, Bob Ansi said, what's up with that color palette? Anything to add to the, you know, previous question on color or anything like that? What is up with it? Any... Yeah, color theory. <laughs> what do you think theory. about I have, that? I think uh, <laughs> color theory is a, a, a great thing, but also I think it's a different for – it should be different for uh, every artist. I, I definitely do think that there's mm-hmm. rules that some people can break and other people cannot, and it's up to you to find it. And I, I think that's a cool thing I like about it too. I don't like uh, when people say that there are unbreakable rules because that's just them being cowards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Scared money don't make money. Thank you. Uh, Instagram user Pina Carlito 8 asked, what's your favorite robot? And is there such a thing as too many buttons, wires, or chrome? Uh, Yes, there is such a thing. If we're talking about like a production design movie robot, I'm going to, people might be mad at me for this, but I think the robot from Interstellar, that big blocky guy, is one of my favorites ever. The Marine Corps Robot, did you guys see Interstellar with uh, McConaughey? I actually didn't, and I'm Googling this right now because I didn't watch it's Interstellar. Nonsense. It's like a nonsense movie. I like it just in the nonsense way, but I mean, uh, they had the stones to design a robot that was essentially just like a big brick. Oh, I see this. Yeah, it looks like a sharper image alarm clock. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really. It, yeah, it looks... I was going to say it looks. Like, it looked like a Vietnam memorial before, but maybe that was they were, something they did on purpose. But... um. It is such a cool design, and also to make it run is so interesting how they did it. It's all kind of like a gyroscope thing, and I thought that was really smart. But I, I'm I'm not like a big robot guy in real life. I just I just draw them by myself. <laughs> I was gonna say, so the inspiration is just coming from like the pulp novel sci-fi stuff, or what? It's honestly coming from the drawing technique. I happened upon okay. that chrome look. I happened upon it because I was like scrutinizing. X-Men comics and being like, how did they get Colossus to look so darn shiny? And so I was just mm. really carefully scrutinizing it. And then once I started doodling it out with the, with the brush pen, I was like, that's how they did it. And then I started putting it on everything. And then that really snowballed from there. So it was really just like a, an aesthetic. And then eventually I found the paint pen. So that's just like the dots. It all kind of made sense. And then I, I, I liked drawing things that had a lot in common with concept art, which I do like a great deal from movies. Um, but could never, ever in a thousand years be used as concept art, um, which is definitely what I want. I uh, would would rather just be a uh, an artist than not ruin my life drawing pictures for executives to say no to or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually that kind of that Colossus talk kind of we had a buzzer beater question that I'm looking uh, came in at, from Instagram user Jacob A Logan. Uh, last question here. Favorite comic inspirations? Any other comics that 
Maybe even current stuff you're reading that you're really digging on. Like a story. Like, so I, I'm getting into Akira Toriyama. I got the Akira Toriyama's manga theater book. That Hell just yeah. That shit rocks. Oh my God. It is such yeah. a breath of like fresh summer air right in your face. When you open that thing, it is incredible. I, the shit's like 40, 50 years old at this point, but the way he drew vehicles, it's still so great. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Timeless. It looks yeah, old and new rocks. at the same time. Exactly. Timeless. It's so satisfying to read. So like uh, that for sure. Um, they finally started re-releasing uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. So I'm reading Lone Wolf and Cub all the way through. Oh, there you nice. go. Who's doing um, it? Is it Dark Horse again or? Yeah, it's Dark Horse. Okay. Yeah. I know they were if doing guys, them in the 2000s. If you're going to get your own, like, I, I guess do it soon because they're they sell out so fast now are they doing like the little small books or are they like uh the regular manga size or they're doing the regular manga size omnibuses so they're bricks okay 12 12 bricks do you remember in like the mid 2000s they were doing they were like even smaller than digest size they were like these little weird like yeah three and ones that were like three by four they were so weird they were savage. All the screen tones were morayed to the point it looked like a bowl of soup. Like you couldn't see any dots. <laughs> yeah, those printings really suck. So it's good they made them a little bigger. It was so fucking harsh. Uh, but the, and I'm definitely gonna get the. Uh, there's gonna be an artist edition for that Lone Wolf and Cub. I'm gonna get that, and then that's the book I'll be buried with. I'm sure. Did you see? I just, love it. just speaking of Dark Horse. Well, this isn't gonna be on Dark Horse, but these are two like previous Dark Horse guys. I saw on Twitter that they rebooted Sin City, but it's going to be Frank Miller writing with Minara drawing. Oh, that could be. I'm going to check well, it out. That could go either yeah, way. Yeah, I'm going to check it out for sure. Uh, but like you he, said, uh, either way. Frank has lost a little bit of touch with uh, the world we live in now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just worried about, even though he seems to be a, he'll step on his dick and then uh, he seems to apologize and, and like he seems to want to apologize, but he apologizes with like that stop Asian hate drawing of the samurai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a, and he doesn't, whoever's with him, like, like his handler or whatever is like not doing a good job. Yeah, no, for sure. His, his legacy is in their hands and he doesn't even know it. Yeah. Um, so no, I probably, I mean, I like my woman, obviously I, they're going to show a lot of big butts and stuff too. So that'll be pretty sick. Yeah. He's the butt guy, right? He draws a lot of butts. And he draws a lot of everything. If a woman has it, Minara's drawing it. Yeah. <laughs> that old sod buster. I'll check it out. I don't know if I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I'll definitely, uh, <laughs> I'll definitely read comics.online.com it or yeah. whatever the free website is that infects your computer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Nick, we definitely appreciate you uh, coming in and uh, doing the show with us. But before we get out of here, where can people find you online, order the new book and so forth? Oh, well, uh, thank you very much, fellas. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I can be found at uh, on Instagram at yay. It's Nick Pyle. Uh, one word, Y-A-Y-I-T-S-N-I-C-K-P-Y-L-E. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at Nick underscore Pyle. Are you uh, staying on Twitter post Elon? Uh, I don't know. I've got about uh, five, five K or five uh, thousand followers. Um, that seems to be a good enough reason to keep it. But I, I only really go on there to look at it when I really fiercely want to make myself mad or sad. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. try, I'm trying so hard not to go on there as much because it, it's just um, such a turd-filled gutter. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, you just—that's why you got to, you know, change your 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 perspective. You just have to put more turds in the gutter. (laughs) I'm not a shitpost. I can't. I'm too. I'm too much of a sweetie pie to shitpost. I can't. I can't really bring myself to do it. Fair. Yeah. But uh, maybe someday I'll be. uh, I'm on the shitposter to pipeline or whatever. (laughs) 
Well, I did cut you off, but where can people get the new book? It is uh, deathwishinc.com. Just do, if you just Google Deathwish Inc. and Nick Pyle or Nick Pyle Fend, it should pop up and it's right there. There's a pre order right now. It's getting kind of low. Um, it's twenty four ninety nine for a hardcover. It's a good deal. Uh, nine by nine by twelve. It is a nice deal. It's it's only sixty. It's not super thick, but it looks great. The yeah. printing quality is top tier. Like I said, they they mostly put out photo books, so their their production values are very high. Yeah, in this economy, come on. I know it's great, and plus it's all like owned by that one guy. Yeah, by one a couple of guys too. It's just a, a great situation over there. Are they uh, shipping out soon? I know it's a pre order. Uh, shipping out uh, eleven nine. Okay, so hell yeah! Wow, it's almost All November right. already. Jesus so, fucking yeah. Christ! I guess a few days yeah, after no. this airs, it'll be shipping. So yeah, Deathwish Inc. And just for the listeners, that's Inc. Inc. Right? Uh yes, exactly. Okay. All right. Hell yeah! All right. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for coming on the show. We appreciate you. Hopefully, we'll have you back on for a bonus episode, and you know, let you get real, real evil. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. I can, I can, I can do that. Yeah, Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's our after-hour show. That's where we get a little dark. Okay. Well, I'd like to get a little horny. There yeah, you, you can. That's, yeah, that's fine. You can, okay. get, you can get as blue as you want, buddy. Our buddy Ooh, Dylan boy. is a, a fan of yours, and we'll be able to talk music. And he uh, works for Brazzers, so maybe we'll do like a sex comics oh, uh, Patreon episode <laughs> with you two. No, yeah. I don't want to do that. I like Dylan though; he's 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 a great follow. But I'm, he works for Braz- Brazzers. Yeah, that's yeah. His, he he does storyboarding for them and comes oh. up with stuff. So kind of comics related. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that fucking rules. Yeah. That is the coolest thing I've ever fucked. A storyboarder for Brazzers. Okay, so in this scene, the penis goes into the vagina. So can you lay that <laughs> no. out for me, Dill? No, Did but he comes up I... He comes up with, like, cool shit. I don't know if I could talk about what he comes up with, but, like, the yeah, plotting yeah. and shit, he Scenarios. comes up with that. Yeah. 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 He's good about that. <laughs> that is good work if you can get it. Yeah, yeah for beautiful. real. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks again, Nick. And uh, listeners, stay gutter. It's not